guys, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to our very first show of Rolling with the Golden Oldies. And you've got four of us ladies here who have over 140 years of wheelchair experience. <laughs> lots, lots of experiences. <laughs> I am Michelle Altamirano. I um, have a C6-7 spinal cord injury. This year will be my 35th year of being a wheelchair user. I've been married for 32 years. I have a 27-year-old daughter, and I'm one of the Triumph Ambassadors and happy to be one of the uh, co-hostesses here for our new show. And I'm going to go ahead and let everybody else introduce themselves. Um, Ellen, you want to go next? Sure. My name is Ellen Stoll. I have a just passed my 41st anniversary of life in a wheelchair um, as a wheelchair user. I was married for 26 years with my partner for 29, but I am just recently divorced. Um, I have a beautiful 20-year-old daughter that will be 21 this year. Um, and I work with the Triumph organization uh, a great deal and love to engage with these amazing other women that are here. So I work as a university professor and I work in the entertainment industry, but um, I'm so excited to be part of the show. Um, Mickey, you're up next. Okay, thanks. I sound like my life is gonna be pretty boring after that introduction. <laughs> entertainment, I wanna hear more about that. I was injured four, I'm the oldest here. I just turned 70 last year. Because I was 30, I was injured 40 years ago, um, January 21st. I was on an ATC. Those three wheelers that they stopped making because they were so dangerous, and I was <laughs> lost control. I let go because I panicked and I was just thrown off and broke my back immediately. So I'm a T1011 para incomplete, but might as well be complete. We can talk about that another time. Anyway, so I live here with my uh, husband of almost 47 years. And my son, who's 44, he's the oldest, and his wife from Peru, and their son, Zane, who's four. And uh, my um, daughter is 42. She lives in Utah with her husband, and I have a son that lives in Pasadena. He's 37. He, he was my surprise baby. Well, I planned on having him, but I had him after my accident. So anyway, so as we know, life goes on. Thank you, Robert. Robert's here supporting us in Velma. And Bobby. Yay. So, Julian, let's hear about you. All right. Um, wrapping it up here. So, I guess, surprisingly, I'm the youngest at uh, 63 and 27 years in a wheelchair. Um, I'm one that didn't go bang and got hurt. I just woke up paralyzed one day from transverse myelitis. And at the time, uh, I was married to the kid's dad. Um, my daughter was three. My son was seven months. And um, the marriage lasted about another two years before he came to me and said, I'm just not happy. <laughs> I heard that well, line. <laughs> Join the crowd. I'm not the hey! one. Yeah. No, in those days, I, I cried. I went, but, but you can't leave. And uh, looking back now, um, but eventually I divorced him, um, applied to a charity for a van. And in the pre 9-11 days, I got $30,000 to buy a van. And um, when I went in to buy the van, they offered me a job. So I sold vans for, shoot, about 20 years and then got picked by the Abilities Expo to work for them. And I've been with them for 12 years and love it. And I know all of these ladies. I've worked with Michelle at great lengths when we did Wings. I've met Ellen on and off in the entertainment business over the years. And Mickey and I had a wild trip to Las Vegas together. So, <laughs> yeah, we saw Lionel Richie. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so I think one of the things I'm hearing is that all three of you ladies had kids while you were in the wheelchair. Is that yeah. Um, yeah, I would just add, I am a CAT1 incomplete quadriplegic, so uh, I forgot to mention that because I forget that I have a spinal cord injury and what it was sometimes. Um, and so I, I, I have no thumb muscles. I function 
predominantly as a para, but I have a lot of internal quadriplegic issues that people don't know about, like dysreflexia, which was one of the biggest problems when I was giving birth. So it was something that people really had to be aware of, but they weren't because I didn't look like a quad. But I got uh, pregnant and gave a birth to my daughter, natural childbirth. Um, and so dysreflexia was one of those things we had to, to deal with that. Uh, so... I just wanted to add that. Um, I know that we're going to do Mothers and Mother's Day in um, May. So we get to talk really in detail about our, you know, births and kids and, and all of the ins and outs of that. But tell me about love. You're, uh, you know, your partner came to you, Julianne, and said, I'm not happy and left. That's what my partner said to me. Um, Whoa, six, was yours and ours? Mine was. Five months ago. <laughs> so five months ago, after 29 years together. Not that you don't know, right, Mickey and, and Michelle? You, you know yeah. that their marriage is definitely ebbs and flows and good times and bad times. And the, the you wax and you wane. But, you know, when somebody comes and announces that they've been unhappy and are moving out, um, and then you find out they've been planning it for six months and you didn't know, kind of in a shock so my yeah my divorce is very recent very raw obviously um but it, you know and unexpected and I, I think my entire identity I don't know for you ladies but and I'll turn it over in a second but you know we deal with ableism all the time and and we have come to terms with it but our identity of being married of you know having kids reinforces this and sort of counters some of those ableist ideas that we are dealing with every day and then to lose your partner um, or to have them leave just, I mean, I think for all women, it just messes or anybody whose partner leaves them messes their identity. But I think, Absolutely. I don't know, I feel like it's magnified because of my impairment. And whenever I say my husband left me, the first thing is like, oh, because he couldn't handle the disability. And you're like, no, it had nothing to do with that. That was not why he was unhappy. Yeah. And we have to realize that it's not our job to make our partner happy. We oh, work to, to make a happy marriage, <laughs> but you as an individual, you have to find your own happiness. So that's on him, not on you guys that weren't happy, you know? And well, we were raised that way. We were raised to please people. At oh, least I was. Yeah. <laughs> well, it works both ways though. You know, it's not just on you or just on him. You got to work together. Um, it's it's something that you have to nurture, continue working on. As Ellen says, you know, there's ups and there's downs and there's shit. Leave my house now, and then there's the I'm sorry. Let's talk about it. You know, and as Ellen says, it has nothing to do with being in a wheelchair or being a disabled woman. I knew my husband before my injury. Uh, we had been to living together a few years. And we got engaged and then my accident happened. And at that time it was, I tried to push him away. I gave him the door, you know, mm -hmm. the door's there. If you want to leave, you can make your exit now. You know, there's no sense in prolonging it if you're out of here. And um, come to know while I was in the ICU, he had a lot of conversations with my sister and, you know, he, actually told her that I was the best person that he had ever met in his life and that he was which yeah. I didn't know so many, many years later. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, everybody was always, oh, he's such a good man. Like he's such a good man because he stayed with you. No, he was a good man. <laughs> it takes a good man that, you know, he, he doesn't That's become insulting. a yeah, isn't it? I, I yeah. hate that line. And you get it all the time, don't you? Such a good man. And he's just like, like, I'm sorry. He's such a lucky man that he has me to do all this Absolutely. shit for him. Like, <laughs> you know, they get this idea that the, the partner is doing everything for you because of the impairment. It's like, no, it is a partnership. And Absolutely. yes, physical things take out the garbage, please. You know, that, you know, mm -hmm. vacuum the house because that cord gets wrapped around my wheels. It takes me exactly. two hours. But, yeah. you know, we give as much, if not more, you Absolutely. know, to our partners. And it's, you know, I always hated that. He's such a good man for staying with you. And then, of course, he left you because it was too much work to deal oh, with the disability. Yeah. And you're like, you know, my life does not revolve 
around, not everything that happens is because of my disability. The issues that I experience in marriage are the same thing my friends who are not in wheelchairs experience, you know, uh, menopause, a uh, change in sex drive, miscommunications, different yeah. interests. Like those are the issues that I'm facing and the chair rarely plays a part in it. That's secondary. You know, let me tell you what happened. When I had my accident, my husband took it worse than I did. He was a basket case. So I was in the hospital, I think I mentioned this, at Cascalina with five men in my room. I thought I was gonna freak out. Like, oh. what's going on? I can't deal with this. I'm this young mom with two little kids at home. And then he's home just like, oh my gosh, I have a paralyzed wife. What am I gonna do now? He had a harder time struggling with it. So after I adjusted the fact that I had five men in my room and we got to be friends, I was fine. I'm like, I'm going to be here for three months, but I'm going to be taken care of, you know? So that's the thing. I was in the hospital. I was safe. I was learning what I needed to do, what it's like to live in a wheelchair, what I have to do. And he was home dealing with two kids and how am I going to live like this? And so he had a lot worse off than I did it's because I was a stronger person to begin with. But before your injury, though, like, were you a stay-at-home mom? Were you working? Yeah. What was your life like? Yeah. Well, we were married seven years, so that wasn't very long. But I was a waitress at night. They call them server now. And he was home. What do I mean? We had a babysitter. They call them strippers now? Is that what you said? <laughs> Honestly, what I heard you say was, I was a waitress at night. They call them strippers now. <laughs> no, server. <laughs> I like the way you yeah, no, not me. So yeah, I worked at night, um, and, you know, and then he would come home and take care of the kids after work. And we had somebody help us during the day. And anyway, so I, you know, I was doing okay. And then I had this accident and everything fell apart, but he, he stayed with me mostly because he can't deal with change. That really, you know, he was like, yeah, that's basically what it was. He's like, well, I think if I'd, I hate to say this, but I think if I'd been a quad and he had to do anything to help me, you know, be independent, or he wouldn't be able to deal with it. He couldn't, you know what I'm talking about, bowel, bladder, all that stuff, all that crap. He wouldn't. It kind of sounds like in his mind that, you know, you weren't going to be that mother, stay-at-home mother, and take care of the household and take care of him. And he's in the reality of what it was like to be a parent that's there with the kids. He got married right out of his parents' house. He never lived on his own, very sheltered. So he had a really hard time dealing with it, but you know, he's, he stayed with me, but like I said, most of it's because he didn't want to have to deal with, you know, change. But yeah, if I'd been a quad, I, I don't think he'd be around. So Mickey, do you think yeah. that, so, and this is the thing you came back and I don't know if you other um, ladies feel the same pressure to, to actually have to be better and stronger and more capable to you know take that weight off of your partner like i have to be wonder woman and that's a pressure all the time yeah, like i have to be able to do it all i mean i think the barbie movie which is an amazing you know mm-hmm. um uh, testament of the pressure that women are under but i think that being in the chair having an impairment and being seen as disabled magnifies that pressure that somehow we have to be even more everything um, so that people don't attribute it and that is just so hard if your partner yeah. um is not carrying the rest of that load and it it just you know it, it's tough yeah mm-hmm. definitely. It definitely is, yeah especially you know, when you're they want to be taken care of right sorry mickey when your kids I start because you feel like other mothers are judging you and they're looking at you and it's like is your kid you know wearing clean clothes and and hair's brushed and <laughs> Did he get a good healthy lunch or not or whatever? And in those days, oh my God, I remember I look back and I have no idea how I did it. You know, volunteered in my school or wings at the time, you know, pretty much taking care of my household. You know, my husband has always been very hands-on, but all the things that I did out of the home were like, uh, you know, younger. I had to prove myself that I was a good mom and I was taking care of my child. And so I did it all, you know, the room mom, the PTO, the the fundraising, you know, everything. I was there for every single thing at that school. Yep. I worked in my kid's library and I love being out so kids can see, oh my gosh, look at their mom's in a wheelchair, but she seems to be fine. I was always out with my kids doing stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think it helped a lot. 
Yeah. Did, you, yeah, did you also feel though, because in terms of love and marriage, now you guys were with your partners before um, and are still with them after the accident. I was single and 19 when I was injured and still a virgin. So like, yeah, I hadn't really yeah. had sex. Um, yeah. And, you know, was, uh, I mean, I grew up flat as a board till I was 16. Like I, I was called Q-tip in high school because I had, <laughs> I got a perm, ladies don't know why. Oh, um, but I had a, uh, I, I had an Afro, a blonde Afro and I was <laughs> Stick figure, flat as board, and was literally nicknamed Q-tip by everybody. Um, so I already had body image issues until, you know, I grew 16 all of a sudden up and out in all the right places. Um, but, you know, then having the injury sort of magnified all those issues and feeling like, you know, I mean, absolutely, we all know that I overcompensated post for Playboy. So, you know, really to get that sense of sexuality back. But being in a wheelchair as as women and for men but it is harder for women in wheelchairs to find partners than it is for men to find partners and sort of we're already seen as asexual and less attractive and and that's then magnified you know this this disability Mm -hmm. thing and like do you feel that pressure because i always feel if i go out because i'm harried and i'm late and i'm like don't put makeup on or whatever like People don't judge me as just being a busy woman. They judge me as being, oh, that poor disabled woman. And look at how hard her life is. And it's like, oh, my God, it's not all about the freaking chair. Sometimes I don't have time to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, Ellen, do you have the desire to start dating again and maybe one day get married again? Hey, baby, never getting married again. Sorry, ladies, never having another man in my home. Um, I do, you know, I do not, I'm not looking for a man to take care of me. I'm definitely not looking to take care of another man. Um, I would love to start dating again if somebody can make me laugh, if somebody is independent, self-assured and capable. But I mean, literally, this is, guys, five months. It hasn't even been, it'll be six months Mm -hmm. that he told me he was moving out, let alone, you know, that I found out that he was planning it for over a year now. And, you know, so just having to process that, but, but Juliana, um, you were married, got a divorce and then remarried. So how was getting back into the dating world for you? Because, you know, um, and if you ladies, and, and just put it to you after Juliana is like, if you got divorced, would you go out and start dating again? Or how would you feel about that? Um, I fought it tooth and nail. I did not want to get married. I did not want to date. I wanted to raise my kids and leave me alone. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was also out in public all the time selling and then at the Abilities Expo. And Dan, my husband now of 20 years, um, he came up to me at the Abilities Expo when I was selling vans for advanced mobility back in the day. And... uh, I thought he wanted to buy a van. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, <laughs> something else. Mm-hmm. At the same time, my kids were what seven and ten, and here I am working full time. So I had a lady at the house who's helping me, but she couldn't drive. So Dan basically became the house husband. And when um, we started dating, I said, "You got to know." For me, the kids will always come first. You are not going to be number one in this relationship ever. Good for you. Good for you. Can you, if you want to date or under those conditions, okay. Now, most recently, what I'm going through is Dan is sick. Dan used, he would use a wheelchair if we went out, but always could do anything around the house. Now he's in a wheelchair. Hmm. A wheelchair family is not fun. Let me tell you. So, I mean, only if only in the kitchen going, okay, I'm going this way. You go that way. Oh, great. Wow. Can you imagine in your houses, ladies, having two wheelchairs trying to? Oi. Yeah. Now, his was temporary, but, um, you know, Ellen, you were saying before about how everything changes and you go through all these different phases. Well, this is a phase that is the hardest of our marriage. You know, we're both so frustrated. We're screaming at each other. Um, But, you know, then we both go, it's not you. It's me. I'm just so damn frustrated. Mm -hmm. At least you're both admitting it, that it's you and not the other person. Yeah. To answer your question, Ellen, um, if I 
were to get divorced, have it. If I was a lot younger, yes, I would probably still want <laughs> and date, you know, find someone I have things in common with, get go out, have fun. To get married again, probably not. Never. Uh, because, well, up to this point, you know, it's like we've made it through 32 years, you know, and, and we're still hanging in there, you know. I think it would be too hard to try to find something like that again, you know. Say something. Has What's everybody that? realized uh, noticed that, like, if men and women, either one gets widowed or divorced, the man 90% of the time has to find another woman right away. The woman's like, I'm fine. I don't need another man, kind of like we're talking about now. But men, for some reason, they have to find another person to take care of them. Take care of them for some reason. We know what the reason is. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, so many of my friends, you know, the. I mean, men that lose their wives to their widowers or you know, divorce, they have to go out and find another woman. The woman's like, I'm fine. I'm don't, you know, don't bother me kind of like you were because saying. Because we can take care of ourselves. <laughs> we're yeah. very self-sufficient and independent, you know, with or without I'm a man. I'm afraid you'll get some negative comments after what I just said. No, it, I, I think it's absolutely true. Um, and often they find, a, you know, whether it's a good friend or more before they even make the move to leave, you know, there's the, um, you know, they, that, that oh. comfort level of being, t I think predominantly for men of a certain age, I don't think, you, you know, that, that are age because of the way, again, you, you mentioned it, we were raised to believe in certain things that we were supposed to have and supposed to be. And, and I think men in, in our generation were raised to expect to be taken care of by their first, their mothers, and then yeah. their partners. And so I feel in some ways they weren't given the opportunity to develop that set of emotional yeah. skills and capability. But I think it is true. I think women more often than not, when they find themselves single are like, yeah, I'm never taking care of another man again mm -hmm. or having to, you know what? And I also think it's worrying about pleasing them. I mean, I think as you mentioned, Juliana, we were raised to be pleasers, that it is our job to make everything work and to make mm -hmm. everyone happy and mm -hmm. to have that pressure off. It's like, oh my God, it feels I don't have to worry yeah. if you're happy today. I don't have to worry like what. And, and again, we take the blame for it. I don't have to worry what I did wrong or if the house is messy or I didn't do. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think that those are a lot of the social um, pressures and indoctrination that this generation grew up with. And I mm -hmm. don't know that it's every individual. It's just the way that we've been socialized at this age yeah. to believe that. And then that, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't talk, and you don't communicate mm -hmm. about those frustrations because you weren't taught mm -hmm. to talk, then they just build and things fall apart. So, you know, I like think I say, if, is so if, if mom, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Right. right. The thing well, too that all comes happy. back to us. Sorry. Go ahead, Mickey. No, I said all comes back to us. If mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. That's right. right. Yeah. And these guys have to realize it's no longer the 60s and 70s. The relationship your parents had, the life they lived, the partnership they had, that doesn't exist anymore. It was a different time. And I don't know about you ladies, but I have a feeling you were born, you were raised to be independent, you know? Otherwise, I don't think we'd be here. Right. We you know? Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting at this age, um, if we all went back... 20 years, at least 20 years ago, I was having sex. Different way of communicating with my current husband. Actually, I was having sex now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> he'd be happy to know that. Um, but different. I, we had that way of communicating. Well, we haven't had that for 10 years, probably. That form of communication is gone. And let's face it, that was very soothing. It was a nice thing. But your relationship, for me, my relationship became very different once sex was off the table. Yeah, I think, I mean, it definitely, I mean, and menopause, I mean, we can do a whole episode on how it impacts women in general, but for us as well, you know, menopause, the change in sex drive when your relationship is initially together and it's a lot of sex, even with kids making time and dates and having sex. And then, I mean, I don't know that men's sex drive diminishes as 
a woman's does. And if it has been a form, like for my partner and I, it was, you know, definitely a way to reassure, to soothe, to comfort. And when that began to lessen, I'm, it wasn't off the table and it wasn't done, but when it, you know, my drive definitely took a dive. I think that then insecurities grow. And if, if you can't develop that new way to communicate, then, you know, um, I always said that people with disabilities have better sex than other people when they, because we have to communicate, right? It's not insert A into B to achieve the big O because it doesn't work that way. What we feel, how we need it is different. And that actually for your partner and you can create a more intimate communicating sexual relationship because it is so intimate and you're talking and sharing and it's not Grey's Anatomy with roses and music, right? So when that shifts, when that form of communication shifts to find that level of intimacy, I think is different and can leave, you know, begin to create that disconnect, that gap. And if you can't bridge it, then you find yourselves uh, like Simon and Garfield's dangling conversations, like oh, you know, yes. only kiss your shadow. I cannot touch your hand. Um, and if you can't do that, and you know, then then the relationship is not going to come out of that waning, and that's it's heartbreaking. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think you know, if for those of us who were, were with our spouses before injury and stuff, everything changed. So we had to find a new way to to communicate, to be intimate. And I think that was one of the best parts is because it's like we were starting over, um, you know, now, you know, with my body as it functioned, you know, um, got to try different things, see what works, what doesn't work. Um, or if you're married to to be a very flexible quad, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Stretching is so yeah. important. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it just, you... It, you know, everything came to a halt and now it's like, okay, we got to figure this out. And one of the good things that I always tell people about my now husband at the time, he didn't treat me differently. He had the same expectations of me in our relationship and our partnership. You know, I had wow. my responsibilities that I still had to fulfill and all of that. And I think that's the best thing he could have ever done for me. I mean, okay, to the point to where, you know, a few months post-injury, having been home, I would get frustrated, you know, because my hands hadn't come along yet. I made huge messes, still trying to figure out, still severely depressed, you know, crying every day. And, um, you know, for him to have seen me as I was struggling, but also seen me still as an equal partner, I think, uh, you know, really did help me in the long run. Absolutely. When I first met my, my husband, I would just say he, I mean, not that the wheelchair didn't matter. He definitely acknowledged it was part of me, but it was not who I was, nor did he have any less expectations about my ability. And I think that's what really, you know, was the reason I, I fell in love with him at the time was he just saw me. I mean, one of the first times we were together, I had a bladder accident and was just humiliated. Like, you know, like, oh my God, oh, this is so embarrassing. Yeah, right. Back mm -hmm. in that, back in 20, 20, you know, back in my twenties, having a, bowel, a bladder accident was, you know, just the, I, I couldn't just was awful. And he, yeah. his response was, as I was hiding out in the bathroom, freaking out was to come in and wash my hands. And it was that just like, but you're still, you know, we're still going to have the same expectations. If we go mm -hmm. out, you're still going to do things. When we got married, you know, and had a baby, you're still going to help raise the baby. And no, and that, that, that acknowledgement of us being equal partners was really, mm -hmm. really important, I think, and valuable Absolutely. to make that difference. Um, but Mickey, what about you? And, you know, um, you've been married the longest. And so right. how has your journey as husband and wife and sexual partners or partners in parenting Evolved well, it, was, it was better in the beginning. I think I mentioned, I don't know if I should say this, sometimes it just felt like a, a receptacle, if you know what I mean. Um, kind of like, okay, I'm just here because I can't, I have no feeling there, right? So I was just there to give him pleasure. Oh, um, that was my, that was my second marriage, yeah. And then after I was injured, he had sex the same way. It's like he wasn't interested yeah. in communication and all that good stuff Ellen was talking about, but go ahead. Yeah. 
Anyway, so that's about all I want to say about it. I want to know who wants to answer Crypto Rob's question. Oh, I don't see, I don't see the question. Okay. Oh. You guys see the comments? Um, yes, I, I, I can yes. I can just a little bit on that. Yes, and research does show that men in wheelchairs are more likely to find a partner than women in wheelchairs, mainly because a lot, especially um, as we get older, but mainly because um, women are uh, tend to be socialized to be more nurturing and nurturing. caring and understanding Absolutely. and communicative. Um, yeah. They, a lot of women don't have the spread effect. Like they don't think their own sense of self-worth and value because they're independent, confident women, um, mm -hmm. you know, don't have to, don't succumb to society's pressures of what's wrong with you. If you're with somebody who has an injury, whereas yeah. I think men are socialized to be, you know, to feel judged by who they have on their arm. And so they want the eye candy, the perfect person, mm -hmm. the whatever, because it's part of their sense of self and identity. Absolutely. Um, and also just, I think the belief that, you know, a people in wheelchairs are asexual really, you know, um, yeah. makes men look at women in wheelchairs as not being a potential sexual partner. And I think women are just more open-minded. So they're more open to talk to their partner who is in a chair and to find out what works and to connect on a physical level as well as an emotional level. So I really do think it's easier if you get out there. I mean, if, if you're not getting out there and getting involved in Triumph or yeah. going to uh, events or meeting Whatever. people, it's not easy for anybody. You, you've got to put yourself out there. And yeah, in, and for anybody in a wheelchair, you have to be more outgoing and more interactive because think, And you have to be comfortable in your own skin. You have to reach a point to where you know what, I, you know, I love myself. I, you know, I'm a good person. I have a lot to offer. Um, when you feel positive and confident out there, you know, people aren't going to be afraid to come to you as opposed to kind of shying away and not really wanting to interact with people. So you definitely have to be comfortable in your skin to feel approachable to other people. And, and the same is, you know, with, with, if you're trying to date and find a man, you're not going to go for the guy who's kind of not, you know, not paying attention, not in, you know, participating in the group or interacting. It's like, you know, you want somebody that, that you're going to be attracted to for who they are, conversation, how they carry themselves and all of that. Confidence. Yeah, we want somebody that looks past the chair. I think mm -hmm. the best compliment I get when I ask somebody, well, is that place accessible? I don't think about you to be in a wheelchair. I think that's such a great compliment when they say, yeah. I don't even think about you being in a wheelchair because yeah. it, it's a compliment in that they see you as the person first, but, and I, and, and, and it absolutely is that they're seeing the person first, but it's also a very ableist statement in that they see the wheelchair as a negative. So they don't want to see it as part of who you are. And I mean, that's something I've come to learn that, it's actually, I am in a wheelchair and I'm, I'm, I'm not ashamed of being in a wheelchair. And so when you tell me I don't look like somebody who should be in a wheelchair or you don't think about me being in a wheelchair, mm -hmm. you're trying to distance me from an integral part of me that I'm yeah. very proud of. So, mm -hmm. you know, and I've just learned that because before I used to think it was an amazing compliment too. I get that. I appreciate that they think I can do and be anything, but I can do all of that and still be in a wheelchair. So remember yeah. that I'm in it. So you don't leave shoes yeah. on the floor or block the doorway or leave clothes in the bathroom. You know, remember it because it's respect for me and an understanding that I'm not less because I have wheels and use them. So and I think in the past I talk to women, you know, about dating and being out well, well, they don't pay attention to me. All they see is a wheelchair. Well, that's not the right person for you. The right person for you is the one who's going to see you for you, not, you know, not the wheelchair and not the asshole who, you know, <laughs> doesn't give and a that's shit. Where, and I just say that's where Mickey's comment is the compliment. When they see absolutely. the individual, I absolutely, absolutely reinforce that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. when you see me as the person, because you're right, Michelle, it's when you see me. And I know, you know, I mean, that is why Juliana, your husband came over because he see, you know, your energy, your personality, what you're changing. And, but it's that confidence that you mentioned. So, when, you I was at, when I was at Northridge Hospital back in 96 and we went on our field trip to the movies or whatever, I was sitting there and this guy came over to me and said, you are the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in a wheelchair. And I went, 
Oh. Hey. Right? Yeah, you're You know what? And thank you, Rebecca, for reminding us not to generalize. We need to own our own journeys. And, um, and I do apologize if I've made general statements, but you are absolutely yeah. right. We need to talk about our own journeys and not, um, you know, generalize in that. And also, um, W.J. Weavers, um, um, I, yeah, it, it'll take a while. Um, I heard that dealing with oh. divorce uh, can take at least a month for every year that was married, if not more. So it is it is stuff and it's still really. So I'm with you. <laughs> I'm right there. But with like you. everything in life, you know, getting a divorce is you you grieve that loss. You've lost something that you had and you cherish for so long you invested time and effort and love and yourself you know into this relationship and when it falls apart it can be devastating it's you know you grieve that loss and you have to allow yourself the time to grieve that loss as we grieved our losses when we were first injured you know um so you well, need to I, i'm on you know, my third marriage and what i did on both of my divorces is i just made a list of all the things that I love doing by myself or with friends just to keep. And I made sure that a lot of them were going out and seeing other people, not just, you know, masturbating in my room, but, um, they, but doing things that made me happy was the yeah. way I got through my divorces. Yeah. So just, if that helps you, it helped me. And the and thing is too, in this, partnership it's not about doing everything together you have mutual interests that you enjoy going out and doing and you have personal interests that you'd rather go do with a girlfriend or with a particular group and that's okay you know you can be it's okay sometimes with my second but, well, husband, it, it's not okay uh, <laughs> controlling absolutely right? yeah narcissist yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah it is hard and I, mm -hmm. great point michelle i mean i was always um lucky to maintain my own purpose, my own identity and my own life throughout my marriage. Um, so now that it's over, I, I still have that aspect of who I am and that independence. I was always raised incredibly independent. So I still have that, but there is also a loss of identity. I mean, I, I will cry thinking about it because yeah. I was a wife yeah. and that's tough. There is a great article in the LA times on a heartache um, yeah. and that sense of awe. Juliana that you talk about go out find your purpose it is great about how to the actual physiological psychological way to deal with heartache is to find the things that interest you to cry I don't no, want to cry okay. God, but it's, I'm it's not sorry I cried because it's painful to lose anything even if it was the direction you're going even if you can say, I, I say that because my friends have been like, oh, best thing that ever happened to you. I don't know anything is the best thing that ever happens to you. I think things happen to you and you learn and you grow and you you make it become what it is. And so I have amazing things happening. I'm on this incredible show with these amazing ladies, which is something that came from all of this. But it's hard and I'm not going to apologize for crying. But this article in the LA Times, it's, it's a great article about heartbreak and how to find your purpose, how to find awe, and that awe is is the, the, the soothing part for heartbreak. See the awe in nature, the awe in what other people do in human kindness, and we can be awed mm -hmm. by somebody's kindness, that that can fill you. And so maintaining that, and I am, I, have, I am incredibly lucky that my identity as a professional, as a professor, as a mom, as a cosplayer, as an actress, all intact, all doing incredibly well. My Ooh, identity cosplay? as a wife and a, you know, somebody's wife. Yeah which I was raised to believe was the pinnacle of, of, of you know, identity, um, that took a hit. And so, you know, it, it's, as my therapist says, and I, I recommend therapy for everybody, it's, it's, you know, you move forward two steps, you backslide. And, and then that's how you keep going. But I think there are no best things that happen to you. There are things that happen to you and you make the best of it by learning and growing. That doesn't mean it's not painful as hell because it is Absolutely. and never be afraid to cry i'm i'm a big <laughs>
to me it's very healing you're allowing yourself to feel the pain the heartache whatever it is you're going through and to release it is such a catalyst sometimes because if you internalize everything and don't let those emotions out it eats at you so you know i'm i a great advocate for a good cry every once in a while just to leave it out. it's like a great rainstorm right it comes and it pours and it washes everything clean and you kind of get a sense of renewal after the big rainstorm you know not like so my sister but <laughs> and I'm, I'm not a crier i don't cry um yeah but i can tell you that going really fast in my power chair and yelling and screaming that'll do it for me <laughs> there you go <laughs> I live I on a hill, so. Okay. Now I have to be careful when I'm driving because now I just smile. But good job. Yeah, right. I'm afraid out there on the roads when you, you know, flip oh, off know. the wrong person is not safe you anymore. anymore. No. Yeah. But I'm a crier too, obviously. Um, <laughs> and I try to tell my students crying. And I read somewhere, don't apologize when you cry. Just say, I'm having a lot of emotions right now. Because Absolutely. you shouldn't be sorry that you're having emotions. Just stay, no, I'm having a lot of emotions right now. Something happened. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm trying to embrace that because, Juliana, yeah. I'm like you, I don't like to cry. And then the more I try not to cry, the more I do cry. The more and then, you want to cry. And then everybody thinks I'm crying because I'm in a wheelchair and my life sucks. I'm like, that's not why I'm crying. I'm crying because my husband left you. They'll be like, and he left me because you're in a wheelchair. And I'm like, no, that's not why he left me. It had nothing to do with the wheelchair. But, Ellen, you know, did, you, did you say, Ellen, that you were blindsided or you knew it was coming? Oh, no, I, I was I mean, we were having problems, definitely. We, we were having problems. But did I think he was moving out and moving in with an old friend? You know, no. <laughs> I was blindsided on that aspect. So, um, you know, uh, the, the the running narrative is they're just friends. You know, um, she sold her house, though, in New Jersey and moved out here. I mean, it's an old high school friend. And I'm like, hmm, hell of a friend. That's a good friend. Yeah. That is a hell of a friend. But, you know, you keep your narrative. No, I was blindsided. I mean, I knew we were having problems. Trust me, there were problems, problems in the bedroom, yeah. problems with communication. We were, you know, definitely having problems trying to figure out how to navigate it. I did not know they were at that level. I did not know he was uh, that unhappy or that he had been planning on moving out for six months and hadn't told me. I think that was the hardest part was for six months. And, and then you have to wonder, were the problems because of us or because you were working on something you know what I mean? Like, so what, which is the chicken or the egg? Yeah, right. Caused the elevation of problems. Was it just the marriage and the course we were taking or the fact that you were unhappy with the marriage and making a different plan and now you're really unhappy with it? I don't know. I'm well, still figuring it all out. I, you know. The fact of no communication. Yeah, that, that is, that is for me too. I was not together. a good communicator. So I, I take full blame. Absolutely. I, I played my own role in it in, you know, but I have to also know it's not all my fault either. Like, Absolutely. So, but we're women. We, we, you know, it's always our fault. We have to make everybody no. happy all the time. And if they're not, it's because of us. I'm um, sorry. I just reread the Barbie thing in the LA Times. <laughs> it's the right? LA Times to advertise for, but they, yeah, because they're nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. So they had the whole America Ferrera speech. And so I just actually read it right before this. So I'm feeling very. Yeah, you know, I, when I was being a woman, and I think they're magnified by being a woman in a wheelchair. My thought was everybody's going to audition with this thing. That was when America. <laughs> oh, the casting directors are going to get so sick yeah. of this. Wait, we we missed out on Mickey. Are you a crier? No, no. I kind of pass crying sometimes. It's, you know, it's just hard to get tears out. I, Mm. There's time. I don't know. It's really weird. It just, just depends on what's happening. But I'm not generally a crier. I help. I hold because it you more feel out. more kind of indifferent of the relationship. Now? Yeah, that's a, yeah, oh, empty. Just yeah. Um, I just kind of hold everything in. And yeah. um, I want to ask Ellen how her kids are dealing with her divorce. Um. You know, my daughter is, I only have the one daughter who is, again, the joy of my life and who, you know, since the minute she was conceived was, uh, you know, took first place. I always, unfortunately, told my ex that if we we're on a cliff and one of you are falling, I'd be grabbing her. Sorry, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, she is the love of my life. She, you know, she'll be 21 this year. 
Um, wow. So we're going to Greece to celebrate her 21st and my 60th. So it's our nice. milestone birthday year. Yeah, I had her nice. very late. Yeah. So um, she's amazing. She says, mom, stay out of it. My relationship with my father is mine because I want to fix, mm -hmm. you know, they mm -hmm. have, I want to make sure everybody yeah. feels loved and taken care of on both sides. Does he feel mm -hmm. her love? She's like, I'm an adult mom. This is mine. Stay the hell out of it. So that yeah. is what I'm trying to do is to allow them to have yeah. their own relationship and do their own Absolutely. thing. As opposed to my trying to say, hey, did you ask her about this? Hey, did you ask your dad about this? Hey, you know, mm. like I'm trying to get them in the same. My therapist like, knock it off. She's an adult. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I'll, try. I'll try. I just want I want everybody to be happy all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. okay, so I had issues in my childhood. With my family, right. my mom. There you go. But, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, she's doing. She's doing. I mean, my daughter is incredible. When we talk on the Mother's Day show, I get to brag her up. But she's she's pretty incredible, and she Please. is. I'm incredibly lucky that she sees me not just as her mother, but as a friend. I'm a like the roller derby mom, so she plays roller derby. So her yeah. friends have embraced me and come over. So I have an incredibly good support system with her. Um, so that's nice. You know, some movies, have made, some movies have really made me cry. You ever see um, A Beautiful Life? Roberto yes. Oh, my gosh. Some movies have really made me cry. So. And I think Michelle's right. We should watch those when we need that shedding of, you mm -hmm. know, it's getting it out. It's important. Yeah. Crypto Rob is giving you a shout out, Ellen. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Communication is, is, is been, you know, um, and I fail on that, too, because I want to fix things before I communicate about the problems. And I think that that was a real problem as opposed to saying, Hey, something's wrong. I was trying to figure out how do we, um, yeah. and so I'm absolutely to blame for lack of communication, yeah. lack of addressing. Well, it's easy to ignore, right? So, Absolutely. You know, yeah. We, we, you know, do Great. we want to bring it up? Do we want to open that can of worms ladies. And, yeah. and so, yeah. you know, we're keeping the status quo going the day to day, taking care of the kids. I mean, my daughter still lives at home and taking care of the mm -hmm. bills and taking care of the pets. And so, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, the marriage gets a backseat. And yeah, the man's, man's just man's going through the motions, doing what needs to be done day to day. And yeah, communication breaks down. Yeah. When the man gets put on the back burner, the egos can't handle it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. And yeah. And, and if we don't, you know, it's not our job to reach out necessarily. It, it's mutual. But if we're busy and focused on other things, um, and and I know I'm a strong, like, if you're not going to take care of something, I'll take it. I'm, you know, mm. I'll do it myself. Then fine. It done. So I'm a fine person. But when I'm saying fine, <laughs> just, that's not good. That's a so warning. I'm, saying I'm fine. That means oh shit's about to hit the I'm in trouble for that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, fine. Um, yeah, so that is what, but again, you think that your partner should know, I don't know. It's just, yeah, there's just a lot of things that lead up to it. And I could just say communication, 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 Absolutely. take the risk, talk about it. Because if you don't, even if you're expecting something or you think it might lead there, when yeah. it happens, theory and practice are completely different. Theory, I mean, yeah. he literally said, I didn't think you'd care. Um, and I was like, how Whoa. would you think? That, yeah, how yeah. would you think that after 29 years of marriage? I mean, but again, I'm not processing things through yeah. his filters, what they're well, saying. That, and that's, you know. Aggressive? Is that yeah. what that's all about? No, I think that, I think honestly, he didn't think I'd care because, you know, there was disconnect and I'm taking mm -hmm. care of the world and doing my yeah. thing and everything. And, you know, I think that you, you, if you don't address the problems when they're first starting or you start to see them grow, then you're going to yeah. be blindsided. And I think that that, yeah. that is the responsibility of, of everyone in the partnerships yeah. and the relationships. So, you know, I, you know, I'd like to make them out to be the total bad guy, but no, yeah. I played my part. It yeah. takes two. It takes two. Yeah. Um, and because you choose not to see the issue doesn't mean they're not there. Yes. You know, there's Even a lot you, that we, Kind of, yeah, exactly. You put our blinders on and we're just looking straight ahead and not paying attention to what's going on over here on this side or whatever. And sometimes we just get into those ruts in marriages, you know, in relationships. And then you got to know. I think you hey, girls are being awfully, awfully good to this guy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he chose another woman. No. 
Ellen. And that's you. the thing, as you say, you don't know what the relationship is, but he has an emotional relationship with this woman. He had at minimum an emotional affair, and that yeah. is what's bad about it. And I'm not I'm not taking the blame off of the individual, but I also know that, you know, uh, again, and this is the way my therapist is just like you, Juliana. She's like this. Stop it. Stop being so nice. I'm like, you're pissing me off. Perspective. But, um, you know, I'm not in that individual skin. And, and that's the thing. We say things, but other people perceive them differently than we for me, no, I'm generalizing again. I know that I can say things or I can hear things and I hear something completely different than mm -hmm. what the individual is saying to me. So yeah. if somebody says, you don't look good in that dress, I immediately go, I look fat, right? And that's not what they meant. Yeah. They're like the color, the cut, whatever. What um, I'm filtering it through my own brain. So yeah, yeah I mean, he, the way he executed the end of our relationship was really, really not okay, right? Oh, but- interesting word. You, you know, executed. Um, executed. It, yeah. it killed it. Um, uh, and, and, and that was not okay. But I think it's hard. And I think as, you know, Mickey, again, you've been married the longest. And, you know, we all know. And Michelle and Julie, you guys have been yeah. married a long time. The, the ups and the downs. Like, we have really great times and everything is in mm -hmm. sync. And then, and then like, you want to bury them in the backyard, right? Like, if I could get away with it. Where would I put that grave? So it's navigating that. And I think I always, having been with my partner so long, thought we were just in one of those really bad ruts. We would we would figure it out again. Absolutely. But yeah. I think when, you, when you're in that rut and the partner finds an emotional support, whether it's, mm -hmm. you know, is going on, it's easier to have somebody whispering in your ear, like, you know, you got to do what makes you happy. You got to do what makes you happy. And you know what makes you mm -hmm. happy? moving in with me. And so I don't know what the relationship is. I don't want to assume that it's more than, you know, what I've been told it is, but you know, I'm also not a naive chicken to think, Hmm, yeah. that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, yeah. But that, you know, that affects your sense of self, your sexuality, you know, you, you know, all of those things. I'm back to being a teenager. I like her more than me. Um, she's, you know, but I mean, we all go through that. We never grow out of it completely. I mean, yeah. I, I want to be, you know, um, what, uh, Judy Dench. I want to be Judy Dench who just doesn't really give a fuck. She's beautiful. She's talented. She's smart. And she really doesn't give a fuck. And I want to be that person. I'm not there yet. I'm still, you know, not there. But Mickey, tell us about the 50, you know, 50 years. How long? 47? 47, you say? Yeah. 47. 47. So you're getting close to that 50th. I know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there for you if you need it. <laughs> hey, Ellen, um, what do you teach at and what school do you teach at? I teach at California State University, Northridge. I have been there for 23 years as an educator, but I've been on the campus as a student and an educator since 1990, so 34 years. I, I absolutely love it. I love that we have a new disability studies minor. We are the only CSU um, in the system that will have a new disability studies minor coming up this yeah. fall. So yeah, yeah, really helping teach the students. And that's why I say I've, I've learned, even as a person in a chair for 41 years, I've learned so much about disability and systemic ableism and a lot of my own internalized ableism by teaching this course the last um, 10 years. I don't know how long I've been teaching that one, but I also coordinate the teacher education courses. So really trying to um, bring the idea that everybody experiences disability and y'all gonna, you're all gonna have one someday and that it's not yeah. the other. And, um, and A, hopefully so that more people with impairments can, you know, find partners and love and marriage and be appreciated and acknowledged and accepted for the whole package. Um, yeah. Because the stigma is still so, I mean, I have students that will be, you know, I asked the first question in classes, how many of you have a disability or use assistive technology? And I'll get three. And yet, 80 of 80 percent of them wear glasses i'm like y'all y'all have the same without those glasses They're like, no not me and i'm like yeah so yeah it's it's just changing attitudes and helping not only them but myself can i i'm always a work in progress so yeah i think we all are the reason i asked is because i really appreciate that you know your perspective being an educator because i think we need somebody in our group that has that and appreciate that you're here for us I'm learning a lot just from you. Not that I can't learn anything from Michelle and Julian, but 
<laughs> and just hey, remember to everyone. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say, uh, you, we may be making, you know, general statements and all of that, but just remember what we're sharing is based on our own personal experiences. Yeah. So, you know, four ladies in a wheelchair, our lives are completely different. Our experiences yeah. are completely different, but we're sharing what we've learned and what we know. It might touch you. It might not. Um, we're always open to questions. If there's a comment you want to make or a question you have for us. Barbie Our, wants to know how my oh, hip is doing. How exciting. Yeah, I hit replacement, then I broke my leg. So that's what I was doing all fall. And being back in the hospital is not a good experience. Uh, it was much easier the first time around when there weren't as many germs. Um, but anyway. So this year is starting off much better for you. Much better. Thanks for asking, Good. Bobby. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just back to my standing machine again. So that's Good. how far I've come. Yeah. And thank that's, you, and Robert. Health. Robert's a good friend, too. Yes. And, and health is, I mean, I'm so glad you talked about we, as we get older, and I think anybody always, whether you're in a chair or not, stretching, staying as physically fit and getting out there makes you feel good and helps that confidence then that's going to help the lead to finding somebody and may i may never want to get married ever again but that doesn't mean i don't want to enjoy the companionship of Absolutely. someone who makes me laugh and i'm not even limited to men at this point i'm be like somebody that makes me laugh wants to travel have a good time we'll see because you again go. you know it's not all about sex at this age it's about you know intimacy in so many different ways and finding ways to connect when sex is no longer you know your first thing oh gee i want to jump your bones like yeah. i don't know uh i just it as we age yeah yeah it just it yeah. just diminishes i mean it just does you know That's uh true. for i think for all 90 percent of my friends in wheelchairs mm -hmm. not in wheelchairs the sex drive diminishes and mm -hmm. you gotta find different ways to give and to get love and pleasure um, and if you can't do that, then it might be time to find different partners that, if the, you know, mm -hmm. again, it, it, it's, a, it's a partnership. And if it can't be a noticed, partnership, then... Have you noticed that in lesbian relationships, they're not talking about how their partner, as they age, get more and more grumpy and want to be taken care of, <laughs> and they all they want to do is get away from them? <laughs> I do say my lesbian okay. friends do seem to be happier as they age with their partners, but um, again, you know, we're older. I think that because I mean, look at Michelle. You you know, you sound like your relationship you know is on strong foundation that can withstand yeah. those those hits that come. And you yeah. know, um, and there's going to be hits. Huh? End it with Absolutely. your. With your like, what is your sage advice for making this last so long? And then Nikki. It's interesting because my daughter just recently asked me and my husband that question. And um, interestingly enough, we were on the same page, you know, as far as we both have to work at it. We both have to compromise. We both have to, you know, it's not going to take care of itself. It's not going to be good on its own. You've got to make it work for you. You have to find what works for you and your partner. And the minute you stop trying, that's when it all starts to fizzle out. So if your heart isn't in it, you know, it you is the work, the work. And, and, and I think that that's such a contradiction to what society feeds us about marriage mm -hmm. and love. Like it's supposed to just be and last forever. Yeah. And if you really yeah, right. Yeah. But it, it doesn't. It has to take the work to have a committed relationship Absolutely. that's going to last. And, I um, mean, your home, a house plant, you have to take care of it before it, you know, shrivels up and dies, you know? You stop watering that plant and then you come and, and look at it and it's dried and shriveled up. And it's like, well, whose fault is that? <laughs> we stop it, you know? <laughs> we stop watering it and you can't. Who's supposed to mention the sponsors i saw he flashed it up on the uh oh, that's Juliana. yes except you need to <laughs> there you go. sponsored by mobility professionals and urology professionals the nicest people in the world they Absolutely. not only do i know them but they're my clients at expo so you can meet them at the expo then right they're nice they're loving they're knowledgeable um and they're professional as they're a little <laughs> 
there it says. <laughs> but um, yeah, damn, work, work with these guys because they will yeah. they will care about you. We're able to bring shows like this to you. Um, yeah. We hope you enjoyed our first one. We have more great topics to come. Any other parting words, ladies? I already gave my. I'm just going to ask Jillian. They'll be able to meet them at the expo, right? Oh yeah. Dean and who's the other guy that runs um, urology? Oh, Who there's a few. and and the um, young lady Serena, Sabrina, Sabrina, mm -hmm. who um, who does all the you know the real work to me, the paperwork. Ugh. Um, she is just as nice as can be too. So you're going to love them all. They're, yeah, they're amazing groups. And I would just like to thank all of the people who tuned in and are chatting with us and sharing their information and their insights. Um, a live show only works when we have amazing guests to support us and to trigger our thoughts. And I would just like to say I'm so honored to have been here with you ladies today. And I look Absolutely. forward to many great shows in the future. Don Woods, owner, uh, owner of Mobility Professionals, just hit my head. Don Woods, great guy. Okay, thank you. Thanks, ladies. It's been really fun. All right, fun. you guys, take care. Thank Until you. next time, everybody enjoyed it. We'll see you the first, third, and please hit like and share. Please hit.